I realized that, um, you know, I'm going through things quite quickly and these can be some fairly hefty areas of pain we're talking about. So, you know, stop at the point Holy Spirit works with you if you need to, okay? If you need help, come and ask. Um, what I'm trying to partly do is give you tools that you can take home with you. And this is twofold. One is what happens here now and what you take home as a tool for your life, okay? And we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't give you both of those things. And so some things will happen now uh, while we're here, but many other things will require you to go back, go through your notes, pray, um, follow through on some of these things. And if you will do that, then there will be something shifting in your life. Okay? Could we put the slides back on up here? Thank you. So we've talked about um, the performance-oriented parent. And, and just as we're going through it, allow Holy Spirit to continue to hold that whole thing of forgiveness because that's where we're going, all right? The things that Sharon talked about earlier, we have to, we want to apply them as we go through and once we've gone through these. And, um, you know, like she said, we forgive, we have to forgive the things that are done, but also the things that were not done, the neglected things. And sometimes that's harder to identify because you don't know what they were. And so it's not always as easy. Uh, but you can work out when love was missing, when attention was missing, when um, safety was missing, and all those things. Those are things that were not done. The other thing is things that were said or not said. And so um, when I quoted a friend whose dad didn't ever say, I love you, that's something that was not said that should have been said. Okay? So that is a debt to be forgiven. But there are other words that we might still be replaying criticisms, judgments, accusations, curses that still are in our kind of echo chambers. And if they're still in your echo chambers, it's probably a sign that you, you need to forgive something there. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, but, you know, we can do one or two today, but then if you're going to take this seriously, and I encourage you to do so, it could take you a few weeks or months of being diligent until you know the layers have come off your heart. The second type, um, and again, I'm putting them in broad categories. Uh, the second type is the punitive. Nope. The second type is the passive or absent father or parent. These are passive and absent are different, but they, are, they both contain an element of not being there.
this wouldn't be a crooked mirror. This would be no mirror at all. This would be living a life where you have no mirrors, so you don't know what you look like when you go out in the morning. Yeah? Imagine ladies. Oh, that's, that's a bit sexist. <laughs> I can say to myself, imagine if you couldn't see your hairstyle. And that would be okay, all right? But imagine if you could never put your makeup on or brush your hair with something to look at. You wouldn't know, really, whether you're okay or not. This is a bit like what this is, the absence. So a passive father is generally one who's absent emotionally, um, the absent father is one who's absent physically. And um, it means that in some way they're not there for you. Uh, maybe um, it's a divorce or separation. Maybe they died. Maybe they're always away on business. Maybe they're unfaithful to the family. These are all a number of reasons why a parent is absent. Maybe they're a workaholic, alcoholic, emotionally numb or detached, so when they are there, they're not there. Um, but in some way, they're not there for the child. Um, this parent is unable to give praise or approval, unable to visualize or dream with the child um, regarding their future. There's no or little, depending off they're absent or passive, no or little tender touch or affirming words, no play or fun. Karis uh, mentioned the father wants to play. This is actually a big deal. It's a big deal in setting our hearts free. Uh, we find people who never had play. And uh, play is designed by God to be experienced. God doesn't just work and rest. He plays. He's the Mars a day God. That used to be the advert. Works, rests, and plays. Yeah? And uh, nowadays you wouldn't recommend a Mars bar a day. That would be <laughs> pretty deadly. But when I was a kid, that was the advert. Okay? And... Uh, God is like that. He, he knows how to play. He knows how to have fun. He knows how to kick a ball and jump and splash. He, he's, the, he's the fun God. I, you know, you, Jesus wasn't serious all the time with his disciples. I, I, just, I just know they had fun. Fun is a heavenly in a heavenly commodity in its purest sense. And, and really, you know, when we, when, we, um, when we encounter the river of God, Ezekiel 47, there are layers, levels. The first level is ankle level. That's splash and have fun level. That's kick. That's play. And if you never had play, then 
quite likely affected a big part of your heart. And Holy Spirit wants to restore that. Okay? Um, God is a God of jokes. He's a God of fun. He's a God of laughter. He's the God of happy faces. And um, so when there's an absent or a passive parent, then those things are missing. And uh, we actually become too serious too quickly. And um, he wants to restore that part of our heart that is fun. No parties, no birthday parties. Okay, the reasons why. But that element of celebration is an important element of the Father's heart. And if you didn't live with those things, if they weren't the norm, then he wants to get you through that issue and restore things in your heart. Um, this absence leaves uh, a sense of abandonment or shame because you've never been given the boundaries to work to. Therefore, you don't know whether you're getting it right or not. Okay? If you've never been taught something, never been given attention that trains you how to live and gives you life skills, then when you step out, you have to self-teach and you don't know whether what you're doing is right or wrong. And so it makes you insecure. It makes you hold back. It can make you feel ashamed because you automatically assume that what you're doing is wrong. It, it makes you... It, you don't have the confidence uh, to, to pursue life with vigor. And so um, this absence is quite a big deal. And, and um, you know, I, I shared my story last night of how um, my dad, when I, the first eight years of my life it was actually, when he was away on ministry, but away for weeks and weeks on end. And... Um, I didn't actually know whether he lived at home or whether he just visited us sometimes. And that absence um, of him definitely shaped my heart to think of God as only visiting sometimes and not having the confidence that he would show up whenever I called. Even though I read it in the Bible and I gave mental assent to what I read as the truth, my heart held a different view. Okay? And what we're talking here is the difference between our head beliefs and our heart beliefs. Okay? Our head beliefs, if we've been in church for a while, will give assent to the scriptures. But our heart beliefs may still be believing something else. And when you are in the crunch, your heart belief wins over your head belief. Okay? And so that's why he wants to not just renew our minds, but he wants to get to the things in our hearts. 
out of the abundance of the heart, we speak. Out of what's in our heart, we give. Out of what's in our heart, we worship. Out of what's in our heart, we relate. Not out of what we believe in our heads, actually. And so he wants to get to the heart beliefs um, as they have been formed within us. Um, the third one here we have today is the um, punitive, punishing, or abusive, or very authoritarian. This is a grouping again. These are not the same identical, but they're same type. Um, punishing, punishment. Um, can easily lead to abuse. Um, or they could just be very strict. But uh, this very strictness, this, usually there's a lot of, you know, if they're authoritarian, there'll be a lot of rules. Rules are good. Rules are important. Boundaries keep safety. But this is legalism to the point of rules matter more than relationship. And um, with God, the rules matter. But his relationship is such that he will come down to you in your dirt and help you walk towards the rules, okay? He won't say, obey the rules and I'll come down to you in the dirt. He'll say, I'll come down into you, to you in the dirt and I'll help you towards the rules. And that's the flip side of how we would do things. Jesus sat and ate with the sinners. He didn't say, I'm not going to sit and eat with you till you change. He said, I will sit and eat with you and my hope is that in doing so you change. Okay? And, and this is how he is. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in fact, he told the story of the prodigal son we read this morning because of the very criticism that he was welcoming and eating with people who were living sinful lives. And because he was welcoming them, into his home, into his presence. And because he was sitting down and having meals with them, the Pharisees said, you shouldn't be doing that. They will pollute you. And then he told them the story of his father, or the father who pursued, chased after, ran to meet the son. And so Jesus doesn't, he's not legalistic on us. He's relational towards redemption. But here's the deal, even if we don't change, which he wants us to, he will still love us the same. Yeah? Uh, this type of uh, parent meets out punishment easily. They shout easily. They, you know, Sharon described some of the 
the things she had with her dad. And, you know, in talking about our parents, I don't want you to think that we're being dishonoring. We're not, because all of these things we've forgiven, and we have to use them as examples. And to be honest, if my parents were here today, we'd have a laugh about these things, and I'd still say exactly the same stories if they were sitting here. Not because I dishonor, but because I've honored them by forgiving them, and we want to walk forward in this. But if you don't diagnose a disease, how can you know what medicine to take? If you don't diagnose something, how can you know what to do? So we have to be very um, honest about our experiences, honest about what has happened, because we are talking about a heart that needs to be released from its baggage so that it can relate properly to the Father. Um, this parent tends to uh, give pain instead of love. They may even believe that the pain is love in their distorted way of thinking. Often there's a lot of anger in there, and it breaks the spirit. Uh, and generally the culture of the home will be one of blame, accusation, um, life will be about you did, judgments, why haven't you done, the wording that in conversations will often be accusatory. And as I said, if when we're talking this, this starts to touch you, just go into your zone with the Holy Spirit, all right? And say, help me here. This is touching me. Um, don't let it become heavy. In fact, I'm just going to pray. Father, uh, I just um, take authority over any over-intensity uh, as we talk about these things, that that won't happen. Uh, I thank you that you, uh, you help us process our heart issues little by little, layer by layer, and you give us the grace. And so right now I pray that only that which you want to deal with today will come up in this room, and the other things will be on hold until your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this parent model often um, models anger and it creates anger or incites anger. When you live in an angry home, that becomes the normal model, but also anger breeds anger, doesn't it? Someone hits you, your natural reaction is what? Hit them back, yeah? That's the response mechanism within you. And so anger incites more anger. And, you know, Sharon said, she read from Ephesians, you know, don't give a landing place to the devil by holding on to your anger. And so, you know, if we walk around with anger inside us, it is like walking around with runway lights on our back saying, land on me, land here to the devil. Okay? Because anger unresolved creates a place. And that, that's the word topos. It can mean a landing place. It can mean a building site. It can mean a campsite. 
But we don't really want the devil camping, landing, or building on our lives. Okay? And so, you know, these are things that help us to worship better, live more fully in the calling that God has put on our lives. Um, the child perceives that the parent is unloving and often projects that onto God. Um, that anger can be in, inner anger, anger that then becomes uh, rage or depression. Um, criticism instead of kindness is the norm in the home. And obviously on the serious end of this spectrum are, is abuse. And, uh, you know, this seminar this weekend is, is not geared to go that deeply. But if these things are touching something, then do make sure you talk to your leaders, talk to someone, get quality help in processing those things, okay? The fourth P parent is the pretty good parent, okay? And these are not my titles, as I said, but they're, they're pretty good titles. So, the pretty good one. This is a harder one to work through in some ways. And, and maybe many of you had parents that are pretty good. And, and to be honest, you know, my parents are pretty good. Although, there will be a mix, to be honest, there are elements of all of these in the package. Um, but they're pretty good. And the pretty good one is a bit harder to process because life was basically good. And we're grateful for them. But the challenge here is what Jesus said, if then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father? Okay? So the principle is, if you had pretty good parents, how much more the Father? How much more? So you can be starting to realize that was good and that was good and that was good and that was good. How much more does he have for you? Yeah? Anyone happy about that? More. He's the God of the more. And probably for many of us, um, we have that mixture. And that's fine. Um, it's a mixture. And maybe, you know, we've got a combination of father and mother in there. And... Um, you know, all motherhood comes from the Father of heaven. We don't uh, address God as mother. We don't call him she. However, all motherhood comes from the Father. Okay? And so, uh, and, and, you know, there are cases in the Scripture where God uses mother images to describe himself. Okay? And so he recognizes that, that the issue of mothering, which is particularly the issue of nurture, uh, the issue of comfort, are maternal functions. Okay? So the nurture 
the 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 breast, the milk, it, it, the bringing up, and the comfort, the warmth, the safety of the arms. These are generally mother aspects, but they still come from God the Father. Okay, and so wherever my father or my mother have come short, the father will pick up the pieces. Okay? So you might, as we're going through this, and I'm, we're calling it father, but you might say, well, actually, that was my mom that did that. And you may have had parents that were very different. One of them may have been absent. Uh, one of them may have been um, passive. One of them may have been angry. The other one may be something else. And, and that mixture forms the layers around our heart. Could you just flick through the slides a little bit? Thank you. So um, when the fathering that God intended is not in place in our experience, certain things happen to our hearts. We've probably kind of said this, but let's specify it a little bit. Um, firstly, firstly, layers of offense form around our hearts, okay? Uh, layers come. We get wounded. And so our experience of our natural parent, parenting puts a layer of pain, a layer of hardness around my heart. My reaction, your reaction, our human reaction, when we are hurt, apart from fighting, fighting back, as well as fighting back, is to build up defense. So we put a wall around. We harden. No one's going to do We make vows. No one's going to do that. And, and it may be today that you're being held by a vow, and I don't have time to talk about inner vows today, but if you know you are, then the key is to renounce that vow. Um, but our, we get layers of hardness. And obviously, if you get too many layers of hardness around your heart, and God's coming knocking, most of that doesn't get through to you. Do you understand that? Because we've got this protective shell. Inevitably. We don't know any other way when we're a child. But Holy Spirit has come to restore, to redeem, to reconnect, and to reveal the Father to you. Secondly, we, our lens through which we see the Father is distorted. So we get layers around our heart, but also our view of God the Father is then through the lens of our human experience. We can't see clearly. And thirdly, we limp. We limp through life because we are wounded. We've been hurt, and so 
we, we can't walk with the same strength and confidence that he desires for us. Now, there are some limps that God gives us, all right? God will help us not to be proud sometimes. Jacob got a limp because he wrestled with God and God punctured his pride. And it says, Jacob worshipped God leaning on his staff because he was always reminded that that self had to be put out of joint. And so there are some godly limps. However, most of our limping through life comes because we're wounded and we can't fulfill what God has planned. You can't run a race if you have to limp. Yeah? So he's got to heal the limp so you can run the track. All right? Does that make sense? It doesn't matter how late in life he does that. When he does it, you will start to run. Sometimes 16, 10. Uh, what time do we finish this? Five o'clock. Okay. Um, let me just mention three prisons then. Are you okay? Are you all right still talking about this? Yeah, you, you guys are doing amazing. This has been a long day. And, you know, you're sitting there receiving, taking it all in, and I admire you. I'm not sure I would. No, I'm joking. But you're doing really well. Thank you. My heart's desire is, you know, twofold, that you get blessed today and released, but also you have some tools to take with you. And that's why your notes are important and the you know, the recordings or whatever, however you do this. At three prisons of offense. Firstly, the prison of anger. And we mentioned that. We've talked about punishment. Sharon talked about anger. But just let's, let's locate that in the scripture. Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, here, let's just touch on that word discipline for a minute. Um, if you have had an angry context, then discipline to you equals pain or it equals punishment. How many of you, when you, you don't have to put your hand up on this, how many, when you hear the word discipline, hear something negative? How many, when you hear the word discipline, hear hear pain or punish. That's not God's discipline. That's the distorted version. Okay? God's discipline is like the discipline an athlete has to go through of containing, denying, um, going through some temporary tough things, painful things, minor pain in order to get the major prize. Yeah? That's godly discipline. And he disciplines us so that we can be partakers of his holiness. Um, but here we're talking about discipline, and the moment we hear that word, it, we freak because it means pain. It means I'm being punished. God doesn't punish, he disciplines. 
Uh, punishment usually means that the person doing the punishment lets out their anger. And they have this mm, distorted sense of well-being while they're hurting someone else. That's not the father. Okay? But God says to them, do not provoke your children to anger. And so um, this word anger is the Greek word orge. Um, and, and really, it, it, because the Greeks had lots of different words for anger. Because they recognized there were different types like hot temper and slow build up and depressive and all this. And they had a different word for each. And this word here means the kind of anger that bubbles away under the surface. The kind of inner, maybe inner rage, but it's not wildly demonstrated necessarily, but it's rotting away on the inside. Fathers, if you don't do something, you will cause this sort of anger to sit in your child's life. Can you see that from that scripture? Do not provoke your children, blah, blah, blah. But the, the, the opposite is that it's the parents who actually, when they don't do what God has said, create the context in the child's life for this inner, inner world of anger. Yeah? Got that? And this is a biggie, 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 biggie. And I, I don't want to simplify, oversimplify it, but sometimes the reason kids get depressed or adults get depressed or the reason they smash things up or the reasons they do some other crazy stuff or go on a binge or get into stupid relationships or whatever it is, can be traced directly to this one, that inside their heart there is an anger that has been caused by incorrect discipline. Okay? We're going to pray into all of these in a minute. Are you okay if we keep talking for a few more minutes? The second prison of bad parenting, or, or not bad, but, well, it is bad, but we don't recognize, of parenting that isn't in alignment with God, God's plan, is discouragement. Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So it puts a direct link between discouragement and parental input. What is discouragement? Well, discouragement is discourage. Okay? What did God say to Joshua? Be strong. And of good courage, yeah? 
And he said it to him three times, forth via the people. Because he knew that this quality of courage was essential for Joshua to cross into the promised land. And if we don't have this thing the Bible calls courage, then we hold back from our destiny. We hold back from going to that place or doing that thing or speaking that or, or, or writing that book or whatever it is. We hold back because we have been discouraged. And courage is an essential to entering into what God has for us. Why? Because there are giants in the destiny. There are things that have to be overcome. And if we don't have courage, our natural reaction is to run away. Whereas God wants you to run towards. Yeah? David meets Goliath. All the other men have run away from. David gets his stone and runs towards him. Courage. All the others were discouraged. And therefore, none of them qualified to rule. But David, through courage, qualified himself to lead the people. And so, courage, the amount of courage we carry is initially linked to the input of our parents. And you may have grown up in life feeling empowered and envisioned and ready, or you may have grown up in life feeling disempowered and not ready. But wherever my father or mother comes short, the Lord will make up the difference. So there's, none of this is meant to depress you. This is meant to just give you an idea of what God is going to do in your life. Okay? And the third prison of offense is dishonor. Dishonor. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You hear that? Now, I'm not saying that everybody that dies young is dying from dishonor, but this verse tells me that that's possible. This verse tells me that it's possible for someone to die before they're meant to because they lived in dishonor. Hello? that you may live a long life on the earth. Now, if they're a Christian, they'll still live a long life, but they'll go to heaven. Praise God. But he says, I want you to live a long life on the earth. And that is affected by how much you honor your parents. Woo. Honor is difficult. 
It's, it's almost impossible when we have been on the receiving end of anger, neglect, abuse, um, discouragement. It, it's almost impossible. That's why we have to forgive in order to honor. And so the word that Sharon brought about forgiveness is the key to then being able to honor. I mean, I, I don't know. I love, my, I love both my parents. But when I was growing up, I didn't always have a close relationship. And, and um, we, uh, I, I love my mum, but I've sometimes found her a little bit intense. And, and latterly, you know, once I was married and all that, I, I would spend time with her and see her, but it wasn't something I was queuing up to do, if I'm honest. And we were due to, um, our eldest daughter was getting married, uh, and it was, she, they were getting married in Jamaica, and um, we were going to take a family trip for the wedding, and my mum was coming. And although I love my mum, I was dreading 10 days of being together at that time. And one day, just before that happened, Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to have to sort this one out. And I remember Sharon had gone to bed, and um, I was sitting in the living room, and I just started to... Uh, Respond to God, and I said, okay, show me what to do. And immediately he started to bring up a series of memories of things that have been said or done in the relationship with my mum. I got on my face on the carpet, and I went through each one of them. I prayed, I cried. I forgave. I asked the Lord to sort it. I got up feeling better. Went to bed. was probably quite tired the next day because I didn't have a lot of sleep, but hey. But here's the deal. My mum arrived on the bus a few days later to come with us to Jamaica. And I found myself excited about meeting her. And we went away on this trip. And I can honestly say I loved every single second of being with her. Because something shifted from dishonor into honor because I first forgave. And so forgiveness is a doorway. You know, one of the most powerful sessions you will have sat through today is the one Sharon did on forgiveness. Because that is a key that you can unlock a million doors with. And, and forgiveness will take you from dishonor to honor. And when you can honor, you're not honoring the behavior, you're honoring the person. You're not saying what they did is right. Forgiveness doesn't endorse something that's wrong. It says, I put the wrong on the cross, and I'm still going to walk with honor towards that person. 
in the 1960s, the term the generation gap was coined, and it was a basically new phenomenon at that time that was starting to happen where the new generation totally or partially at least rejected the value system of the previous generation. And um, often it was out of bitterness, it was out of rebellion, it was out of frustration uh, or pride that they knew better. At the heart of that, however, there was a lot of dishonor. But valid or not, here's the deal. Deuteronomy 27.6 says this. Cursed is anyone who dishonors father or mother. Cursed. The Bible actually says a curse comes on the life of anybody who dishonors their father or mother. That's a hefty, weighty word. Is that no longer true because it's Old Testament? Uh, sorry, it's a spiritual principle that still is in the air. Some people are living under curses that are related to a heart attitude towards a parent. And Jesus wants to heal that today. In Malachi 4 verse 6, God says, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. I'm going to heal the generation gap lest I have to come and smite the earth with a curse. Is that incredible? Proverbs 30 11 to 17. Let me go through this with you. It's not a scripture that's very often read. And it's a little bit confusing. But if you look at it carefully, it makes a lot of sense. Proverbs 30, 11 to 17. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, but not washed from its filthiness. Ever? Do you think we have a generation like that? I'm okay, thank you. But actually, they're not okay because they're polluted. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. Their eyelids are lifted up. I'm okay. I can live like I want to. There's a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives. They criticize, they bitter, they pull to pieces. To devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among men. The leech has two, two daughters. Give and give. This generation is gimme, 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 gimme. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four will never say enough. The grave, this generation sucks things in. The barren womb, the earth, 
that doesn't soak up enough water and the fire that never says it's enough. It's characteristic of a generation. There are three... Uh, the eye... Oh, I've lost my uh, notes. Hold on. It's jumped. I'll read it from here. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pluck it out <laughs> and the young eagles will eat him. Now, what's all that about? What's all that about? It's about a generation. This is a scripture that begins and ends with an attitude towards parents of dishonor. And it says, it closes by saying, that generation will have its eyes plucked out by the birds of the air. The birds of the air in the scripture often refers to the demonic. In other words, there's a loss of vision that comes. There's a spiritual blindness that settles upon those who dishonor their father and mother. Many people today are wandering through their life without an aim because they have dishonored. Many people today are living this way. So let's take, you know, I've said enough. This could feel heavy, but it's not. Because the Holy Spirit only comes to set us free. He comes because he doesn't want the layers around our hearts. Because he wants us to be so sensitive that we can pick up the whispers and the heartbeat of heaven. When you're in a room or a crowd or, or a bus, your heart is no longer layered over and you can start to hear the little nudges of heaven for the people on the bus. How many want to live like that? Yeah? Nudged, nudge, nudge. So you can sit next to someone on the bus and you can start to have a word of knowledge. You can start to hear God about their life and say, you know, I, I'm a Christian and God's just shown me this. We had a friend who, some years ago, sat on the bus. I'm thinking now. Yeah. And God said to her, I want you to talk in tongues to the lady next to you. So she did. She started talking in tongues to the lady next to her. And the particular tongue that came was the lady's native language. And she started to tell her about Jesus. How many want to have a sensitive heart where the layers have come off? See, it's meant to happen like that. We've, we've lowered the bar on the supernatural lifestyle of being believers. We've lowered the bar on how we are meant to live. We are meant to be living by the Spirit. We are meant to be living where the supernatural gifts of heaven are normal. But if our hearts are layered over, we can't tune in so well. And so we've been talking about 
father and mother problems. But it's only so Holy Spirit can now, because we've got the information, we can participate with him as he starts to take those layers off. He doesn't want us limping in the race, but running the race. He wants you and I to say with Paul, I have run my race. I didn't go to heaven with a lap unfinished. I didn't go to heaven having missed half of my race. The challenge is on us now to reposition ourselves so that everything he's called you to, you will accomplish on this earth. Everything. He doesn't want us to have that lens on our eyes that can't see and that can only project the bad stuff onto the Father. And so when we talk about these things, it's not to dig up pain and it's not to become inward looking. It is simply that there are times if you are going to get a splinter out of your leg, you've got to look at your leg. Don't start poking around without looking at it. Yeah? If you are going to apply the bandage, you have to look. You have to have this period of focus. And this is just a period of focus where we look at our hearts and we go through maybe a season of focus. It's not forever, but it is for a time. God, get the layers off my heart. Get the layers off my heart. Jesus. So, you know, we've talked a lot of stuff here this afternoon. and Just, just ask the precious Spirit of God to remind you of one or two things. Holy Spirit. Lynette, would you mind uh, just playing? Thank you. Thank you so much. So just pray this. Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me? What would you like me to pray about this afternoon? Which of those father qualities? Performance, punishment, passive. Pretty good. What do I need to forgive? Was it something that was done or something that wasn't done? Was it something that was said or something that wasn't said? What would you like me to do this afternoon?
Spirit of God, come. We invite you. We invite you into the world of our hearts. We're not always going to be this inward looking, but at this moment, we need to be. Is there a memory? Are there words? Is there an absence? What was it? I want you to take that one thing. I'm going to present it to God. And so, here's the kind of thing to pray. Father, this is what you're reminding me of today. And tell him what it is. You know that X, Y, Z happened or didn't happen. And this is how I felt. And tell him how you feel. And these are the consequences in my life. Tell him what they are. And if you're watching online, I encourage you to do this at home too. Ask Holy Spirit, what do you want to remind me of now. And tell him this is what happened. Or this is what didn't happen. And this is the result. But today... I choose to forgive. And I just tell you, the moment you said that, some of you, something left this room. I, I literally felt stuff leave the room. I choose to forgive. And I put this sin on the cross of Jesus. This shortcoming, this failure, 
of a parent. I put it on the cross where it has already been paid for by Jesus. And I let it go. I cut it off from myself. One of the words for forgiveness in the Bible is the same word as divorce. I divorce this issue from my life now. I forgive it. It leaves me because Jesus has been nailed with it. And his blood removes it from my life, from my heart, and even from my mind. And for some of you, it removes it off the very cells of your body. I speak to any disease or infirmity that is attached to these memories. That it leaves you now. It leaves you now. It comes off you in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, will you come and flush out all the darkness of that stuff from my life now? Will you wash it out? All the mark that is gathered around my heart, let it come off now in Jesus' name. Let that layer be broken. And I hear the sound like, it sounds to me like smashing plates. It's it's the shattering of things. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill my heart with good, with freedom. Where I've limped, I want to run. where I've had a lens over my vision of the Father, I ask that that scale drops away now. In Jesus' name. Maybe if some of the ministry team are happy just to go around and just bless whatever God's doing. If you don't want them to, just say no thank you. But otherwise, they just come and put a hand on your shoulder and bless whatever's going on in your life.
where there's anger. Father, I ask you to dislodge anger that is sitting under the surface of people's lives. And so we say we break agreement with anger today. We ask you to diffuse it and drain it from us. In Jesus' name. And where there's, there's a lifestyle maybe of bad discipline, tell Jesus, Jesus, you know this. And I choose today to forgive my dad, to forgive my mom. For that angry discipline. They had no right wasn't right, but I put it on the cross because Jesus got nailed with that. And I let it go. I let it go. Comes off my life. Comes off my, the cells of my body. comes off my thinking, comes off my view of the Father. In Jesus' name. Maybe for some of you, it's the courage issue. Jesus, I got discouraged. The way I was treated, rather than encouraging me, took courage out. This is what happened. Tell him. But today, I choose to forgive. Forgive you, Mom. Forgive you, Dad. And I put that thing on the cross of Jesus. Where his blood has already flowed over it. And it comes off my life now. And when there's been a void of courage, I receive the encouragement that comes by the Holy Spirit. Wherever my father and mother have come short, the Lord will pick.
pick up the pieces and make it good. Father, wherever in my heart I am holding dishonor to a parent or both, because of what I experienced, I come to you with that today. And I'll be honest, it's hard to honor because of. Tell him. And honor doesn't mean I accept that, but it means I'm going to go past it. And I put that sin, that issue, that is causing me to dishonor. Tell him what it is. I put it on the cross. I thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus that washes it right out of my life, blots it out completely so that it no longer sits in my heart. Holy Spirit, blow on us now. Pour out on us now. And, and for one or two of you, there's other relationship issues surfacing. Maybe not a parent, but somebody else, a sibling or a spouse, or even your own child. A friend. I encourage you, if that's happening, do exactly the same thing. Father, this has come up. I'm remembering this. This person, tell him their name, did or said or didn't do or didn't say. Tell him what it was. And they shouldn't have. That today, I choose to forgive. And I take that sin against me. That betrayal. I hear the word betrayal. I take that betrayal. And I put it on the cross. Where Jesus has been betrayed and carried it.
the Holy Spirit, Spirit of the resurrection, Spirit of resurrection life, blow on every person in this room. Breathe on us now. Come. Change the very landscape of our hearts where it needs to shift. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing quite a lot of people putting down crutches and walking sticks and putting on trainers. Um, whether you can receive that in the natural, it's what he wants to do in your spirit and in your heart. And the things that have caused you to limp, he's exchanging today for the shoes that the Father gives. And it's a kind of funny picture of the prodigal. You know, when we read it, we get the sandals in our mind, but I see the Father giving him trainers so he can run his race. Father, I ask that spiritually, emotionally, in, in the heart, you will impart heaven's running shoes. And I speak over these people this afternoon. You will finish your race. You will say with Paul, I have run it. I have done everything he gave me to do on planet earth. And some of you may feel, well, I haven't got as much time as the person next to me to do that. And the danger for some of the others is that you think you've got plenty of time. But today, we position and align ourselves with heaven's timing. That our lives will become about running the race. In Jesus' name. Precious name.